Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I'm your host, Glassfield Crossfield, and today we have the world-renowned dating app expert. Please introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate this opportunity. So my name is Grant Cam, and I do help men with building a better dating online presence. So I help guys who are super busy with, if they're on that nine-to-five grind, working 40, 60-hour weeks, and they don't really have that much time to go meet women in person, I help them find their dream quality women and I help them beat the dating app algorithm because let's face it, a lot of guys say that the algorithm is against them. They say that, that, you know, the system doesn't want them to win. And with a very easy process that I help them with, that doesn't require them to do anything extra except a few little minor changes on how they market themselves on the dating apps. I help them achieve that so they can be that man that attracts all kinds of quality women on the dating apps. Now, I hear a lot, uh, you know, I watch some of the Red Pill stuff and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I hear oftentimes is that like the, the top 20, 10, 5% men are the ones who are truly winning on the app. The average man doesn't stand a chance on the app. So have you found that to be true? Well, number one, uh, the answer is no for me. And the reason why, the first thing I do is when somebody tells me that, right? If I have like a potential client that is on a call with me and he's interested and working with me, but that is a statistic that stays in his mind. I always say, well, first of all, what's the right statistic? I hear top 1%, I hear top 5%, I hear top 10, 15, 20, right? What's the right statistic? Um, the other thing is this, like I say, I always give him some clarity on who I am. I'm five foot nine. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not like rip jack six pack abs type guy, but I know how to pre- present myself well on the dating apps. And really dating apps is just gamification and marketing. And when I refer to gamification, it's about understanding how to beat the algorithm. And when you understand how to beat the algorithm, then everything just comes out so much easier for you. First of all, I know in the red pill, they talk about like, you got to be a certain kind of skin color and stuff. Like, as you can see, I'm not white skin, I'm Middle Eastern. And you would think that, oh, white girls don't want Middle Eastern guys, right? Or white girls won't talk to certain type of like races or whatever. But I mean, it's about how you market yourself. Like I'm wearing a nice shirt for this call, right? And I'm wearing, you know, a chain and everything. This is how I dress on the dating apps too. And this is how I dress in person. So when the girl sees a dose of who I am on the apps, it intrigues her. It sparks her curiosity. Then she's like, well, let me message this guy and see what he's all about. And then when she messages me and she sees that I'm congruent to how I present myself on the bio, I'm congruent in how I express my thoughts by the photos that I post. And when she sees me in person, it's like a done deal. She knows that she made the right decision. But before she knows that she made the right decision in person, she knows knows that she made the right decision on the app. Because again, how I present myself and how I speak to her and how I stand out on the dating app, I know I can go ahead of the 99% guys that don't know what they're doing. Because most of the time, the reason that guys don't get matches is because they just don't know how to market themselves. That's really what it is. Now, are you, are you so good at what you do that you're able to get the average guys with some of the better looking women? Absolutely. 100%. My clients that I have right now, they're part of the gray male community. That's like my background right here, the gray male. That's my, my company that I, uh, that I started officially like LLC in November of 2021. Since then I've been, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, since I've been working with them, uh, my guys are not Fabios. They're not like Chad's or Tyrone type looking guys. They're just guys who, there are guys that just need a little bit of like, either they need some more fashion sense 
And you know what it is? Like, I think it's an attitude that they need to develop. And I'm not saying attitude like a negative attitude. They need a better outlook of who they are in life. A lot of guys who consider themselves average, they just have a, a really crappy mentality of how they perceive themselves. They are still facing trauma. They're still facing some unhealed emotions that they haven't addressed. And what they do is they take one situation. Like I had uh, calls with clients that they take one little bit of information that had a negative experience. And then they use that to pretty much showcase that, oh, this is what the future looks like. See, I I can't get girls because this is because this is happening. And I tell them, well, let's dive. Let's dive into it. Why do you think this is happening? Well, that one time in the past, I went up to a girl and I said this to her and she rejected me. So that's why I'm an average guy. And then my analysis is this is like, just make the long story short. I say, let me ask you a question. Do you feel that you had a fair, did, do you feel how much out of zero to hundred percent, how much does that girl really know you from zero to 100, hundred, she really knows you zero. She doesn't even know you. He says, uh, like 1%. I said, okay, that's a fair statement. One person, she knows you for 1%, right? Do you believe that's a fair and accurate representation of who you are as a man? And they say, no. And I say, okay. So she rejected you off like a two to five second to a one minute conversation you had with her. She's not intrigued by you. And she has the right to say no. She has the right to change her mind at any time. Even if you invested three hours of conversation, she can change her mind and say, I'm not interested anymore. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to get these guys to understand is that that one little interaction of being considered average is irrelevant to you. And also, you can do the same approach they did with that one chick who thought you were average, but the next chick that you talk to, she doesn't think you're average. She thinks you're a stud. And the last thing I'll say about this is I also tell them, do you believe before working with me, when you're just kind of alone, doing your own thing, trying to figure this all out, which is a mistake a lot of guys make. They think we're very prideful. Guys are very prideful and have a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, I don't need a dating coach. I can do this all on my own. And I'm like, all right, well, good luck with that because you're going to not be at the, getting the results that you want. And I tell them, okay, do you believe prior to working with me, do you feel, client, that you were at the most authentic level of where you are in the present moment right now? And they say no. I say, there you go. Your insecurities are a result of inauthenticity. Or excuse me, the insecurities that you have are because you're inauthentic. The, the, the trauma that you're facing, even though it's real and it happened to you, that doesn't define the man that you are. That doesn't define your character. So what my job is to get these guys who are super insecure about their looks, their height. Because again, I'm five foot nine. I'm not six feet tall. I don't own a sports luxury car. I'm not, I live in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment, one bed, one bath. I'm not living super rich, but I get tons of results because up here is fixed. And mm. I know that when I get rich, I'm going to crush it even more because I just have more money to spend. But it doesn't mean I'm tricking with girls. It doesn't mean I'm going to be simping for girls. This game that I have right now, this level of competency and communication and dating, it's just going to be amplified because I have more money. That's it. Nothing changes. I just have more money. Dope. I, I like that. So I actually heard from some, I think his name is Jose Zuninga, something like that. Uh, he, has, he, has a, he has a channel, I think it's called like Men's Fashion, something like that. He's been on the Fresh uh -huh. podcast, yeah. So I remember he said, um, "There's no such thing as an ugly guy." He said, "Even if you are three, he said you can get in the gym, you can eat better, you can work in your social skills, you can get a raise, you can start a business, and if you do all those things and you stay focused and you, you know, you do the job internally, 
the bare minimum you could be an eight. So <laughs> if you put the work in, even if you're quote unquote ugly, that's the thing about being a man. You you have other ways you can you can climb the ranks. Right, but I want to make sure that the the viewers of you know the Fresh and Fit viewers and also the people you're referring to the Fresh and Fit podcast, right? I was, the guy who appeared on the show. I was referring to a guest on that show. He's not there yes. frequently, though. Correct. Correct. So, Jose Zuniga was his name. Zuzuminga, I believe. I have. Yeah. Send you his name. Out. I think it's probably Zuniga because I heard that as like a last name as well for the Hispanic culture. So Jose Zuniga, who was in that show. I understand where he's coming from, but I also want guys to understand because I know Fresh and Fit is all about like being a high value man. I'm like very familiar with their content. With with Jose, the thing that I want guys to understand and all the viewers of your show to understand as well is that yes, like you know, hitting the gym is good. Um, having nicer cars and clothes and all that kind of stuff can make you a more appearing, a more appealing looking man. But it doesn't mean you're fixed up here. See, I have like, I, I, I got to share this story to give you some context. I was out in, in, um, in downtown area where I live. And then I went to, um, I was at this bar and there's this one handsome looking Indian dude that was over there. And I was like, okay, this guy looks like he's probably in the nightclub industry. He looks like he's probably in hospitality. Uh, I'm like, let me just talk to him and see, maybe he's a cool guy to network with. So I go up to him and I start talking to him. And then I asked the guy, so, Hey man, what do you do for work? He's like, he said, I'm a yogi. So these are like people who do yoga and they're like all about spirituality and stuff. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. He's a yogi. So this guy is all about the present moment and I'm all about the present moment. So I said, so let me ask you a question. What do you do to stay in the present moment? And his response was not what I was expecting at all. In fact, it was a horrible response. It was a ridiculous response. The guy's like, I don't mess with, I don't know if you can cuss on the show, but like, I don't mess with girls. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm using the, I don't want to, I don't know if I can cuss on the show or not, but like, okay, cool. He said, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. He said, I don't fuck with bitches. I'm like, huh? I'm like, first of all, the music's super loud. It's kind of hard to hear what he said. I'm like, wait, did you say you don't fuck with bitches? He's like, (laughs) yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, this guy's a fucking yogi. He's a fucking yogi. Yogi, spiritual home, meditate, all that shit. They don't say that kind of stuff. So I said, then I asked them a question, which I usually ask my clients when they say something ridiculous like that. I say, what do, what do, what do bitches have to do with being present in the moment? It's like, Cause bitches are this, bitches are that. And these, these girls distract you. They take you away from your mission and your purpose. And in my head, I'm thinking like, in my head, I'm like, that's not my reality. I have girls that compliment my purpose. I have girls that compliment what the fuck I do. I got girls that support my business. I got girls that are okay with my busy ass schedule helping clients. So then the guy's like, I got to go anyway. So you have to like leave and all that stuff. So afterwards, this reinforced what I share on my transformational retreats that I have. Like the last one I have was Labor Day weekend in Arizona. The next one's going to be in Vegas in March, 2023. Um, On my transformational retreat, brother, I share this with my clients. I said, no matter how much spirituality, red pill conditioning, or ice cold plunge bath, or 10 mile hikes you do, or hitting the gym you do, or how many cars you fucking get, you fucking, you fucking gain. Okay. If you're not fixed up here, you're fucking, you're screwed because this guy is a yogi. If you haven't healed your trauma, if you are judgmental, that guy was a judgmental person. I'm not a yogi. I'm not spiritual, but look at me. I'm not judging women. So that right there was proof in the pudding of what I said two weeks before I met that guy that 
no matter how much spirituality you do in this world, you're not going to be saved. And there are people that have worked with me that have been going to therapy for years, but the therapist has not tackled the depths of their self-identity. And that's part of the gray mill coaching. The gray mill mentality is a self-identity mentality. This is a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I think women can be a distraction if you allow them to be. But again, that comes back to the mental because it sounds like you have a few women in your rotation, but they don't affect your work and your purpose. So. Facts, facts. They'll be they'll be like helping with my business. Like if I have a if multiple I have a girls? woman, you have multiple girls helping with your business. Well, in the past I did at the moment, I'm just seeing one, one woman at this exact moment right now, but I had an ex-girlfriend. She was helping me with my business. Um, I had girls who would take pictures for me for my Instagram. So like I had a, I had this one Pakistani chick that I was dating and this girl was super fucking cool. Like she would let me, she would like feed me every time I go to her apartment. Like she lived in downtown LA area. So she would feed me food. She would, Oh, I remember I had to go on a live stream on YouTube one time and I forgot one of my devices that i needed it was like some like usb connection thing or whatever for my laptop and i'm like oh shit i forgot this and i'm like i can't go back to my house it's like a it's like an hour with traffic so i said can you do me a favor and run to 7-eleven and go grab me this she's like absolutely she didn't even ask for the money back to it's like five bucks but she's like i don't even want the money she quickly ran to 7-eleven and brought me some snacks too so i can have on the live stream as well oh that's phenomenal <laughs> yeah and we went to, and, and then about a week later, we were in downtown LA um, where they have, I don't even know what it's called. I don't remember what the exact location is, but there's a bunch of like really cool lighting features that are like posted up right next to each other. And it's a very aesthetic Instagram background for like IG influencers or just couples who want to take pictures in a nice area. Mm. So she literally did a whole photo, photo shoot for me, four locations, four different outfits. I kept changing in my car and she'd wait for me outside and she's taking photos for me. Wow, that is ideal. Damn, sounds like she should still be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got with my I got with my ex girlfriend well, at the time. She was my girlfriend, right? So I got with her, and I wanted to be monogamous with her. So I consciously made the intention to be monogamous with my girlfriend at the time. And I told her, "Hey, you know, I really like you. I really appreciate everything you did for me, but I I'm moving on with someone who I want to be serious with." So I was direct with her. I didn't lie to her and tell her, "Hey." I want to be in a relationship with you and lead her on. And she did all these things. I was straight up honest with her. And that has to hurt, man. Oh boy. <laughs> so what made you get into this uh, field of work? That's a great question for me. I got into this field of work. So at the age of 16, I, I got, I, I lost my virginity. So at 16, I was like, wow, like this is what sex is like. And I was just immediately intrigued by learning more about women and understanding how women operate, understanding how, what was the strategy I did to like get the result that I wanted. Now, the first time I lost my virginity, some girl messaged me on MySpace. So if any of the viewers are super young and know what MySpace is about, this is before Facebook, before Instagram. And you had a really cool profile that you can design and everything. And uh, she just messaged me randomly. And I was like, okay, I mean, how do I do this? So I just started messaging her, but we did meet up. And then along the way from like 16 to let's say when I get to university from 16 to then I was still getting some play, but it was really accidental. And what I mean by that is like, I would get the opportunity to be with a girl, but I wasn't consciously doing a lot of things correctly. It just kind of happened. It kind of just fell on my lap because I, 
I had an idea, but I wasn't really conscious and present with what do I need to do? I felt like I need to be this. I felt like I need to be that. And then the girl was just interested enough and we got way we went at it. Right. And then when I was in university, there was this one chick, Middle Eastern chick that I dated and she was super cute. And, and then I remember I fumbled the situation, like even after we hooked up many times and we were very intimate with one another. But then along the way, bro, after graduating university, I joined Toastmasters International, which is an international public speaking club. You have them in America. You got them in all 50 states. You have them in like China. They're Japan. They're literally everywhere, all around the world. For me, my biggest issue in communication was not that I'm scared to speak in front of people, but how do I collect my thoughts up here and eloquently, beautifully, and gracefully present it to people and use it influentially, right? Yes. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm That's okay. the same way. I think I have great uh, social and communication skills, but I think sometimes... I'm trying to put the correct words together in my head. And I think that's why I'm so much better at like typing or writing when I have time to really put my thoughts to paper. But like sometimes in the moment I freeze up just looking for the right phrases. So how did you, what's the name of that club that you said? Absolutely. So think of like a toast, like cheers to everybody. So it's called Toast Masters. And like, this is like a course you have to pay for or like, is there an age, is this a college? No, this is a program that's just like an extracurricular thing that you can literally sign up for. You don't need any prerequisites. So you just go into it and you can find. So what you do is like if someone's interested, such as yourself, go on Google and type in Toastmaster Clubs near me. All right? Like a place that I could walk and go into. Correct. Exactly. So what you would do, I mean, back when I think nowadays, like since the pandemic is over, like you can yeah. just go into any club now. There's no restriction. So you can go to any club. Um, usually they're going to be in office buildings or they may be in a, in a retirement center. They could be at a school, like university it could be almost anywhere. All you need is like a stage or a podium. Uh, you need seats, a big, like, a, like sometimes people have like either just seats or they have tables. Usually they have a table because you want to write notes down. Uh, and then the whole program has changed a little bit or it has changed pretty significantly since like I was back in it when I was 26 years old, I'm 32 now. So this is like, you know, a lot, like quite a while ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is when I was in the club, the way we had it structured is you do speeches. So the first speech is like an icebreaker speech, just get you to start talking. Cause a lot of people are scared as shit to talk mm -hmm. in front of the podium. But, and then the next one would be like uh, eye contact, learning how to do eye contact very well. And then while you're doing these things, you are getting critiqued by an, uh, an evaluator. So the evaluator is going to say, okay, here's what you did right, Cameron. Here's what you could have done better. And then they say, this is what the plan you should have going forward with your communication and all your speeches. On top of that, you're also going to learn how to speak instantaneously. So a lot of times, guys, in dating, this is where they mess up. A girl says, hey, what are you looking for? And the guy's like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to say. So then he starts being a people pleaser which is an insecure mindset. And he's like, well, if I just tell her I want a relationship, then that means she'll want to stay with me. Oh, I want a relationship. You want a relationship? You like me so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his mind is like, I'm such a lying piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just like lying through my teeth. So instantaneous speaking teaches you how to be, know what to say on the spot. What if a girl shit tests you? We talk about this in dating all the time, right? 
oh, a girl, she should test you and all that kind of stuff. And the red pill, they talk about that all the time. So for me, I don't have the mentality, what if a girl should test me? My, my mentality is like, I'm going to give her a bunch of compliance tests to see if she follows my leadership. Is she down for my seduction? Is she down for my authenticity? So I'm never in like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't shit test me. I embrace whatever the girl throws at me because then I get to find out if I can disqualify her immediately. Or she's team Cameron. She's team Grand Cam, right? So ultimately what instantaneous speaking does is that if you are ever put on the spot, you're not going to get nervous. You're not going to feel worried. You will still be in your authenticity and speak your truth of what you felt was right in the moment. And if it's wrong, the student will let me know. I say, here's what you could have done better. Mm. That's it. Got you. I definitely got to look into that, man. I I, I really do think I have a, a gift when it comes to speaking and to be influential. I just need to kind of be, to be put on the right path with it. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate that. Are you are you Canadian by any chance? American. You you went to college here? Yes, I went to college here. So I went to school in Los Angeles and I also got my master's degree in business in Los Angeles as well. Interesting. Because normally the Canadians that say university, that's why I asked. Fair, that's a fair question. I actually thought <laughs> about that and I was like, maybe, you know, it's, it's too, you're, I'm sure your audience is mostly American, I'm assuming. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just say university because I do speak to clients from all around the world. So I just use the word yeah. that just kind of resonates with everybody. Okay. Yeah. Internationally, university is far more popular for sure. Correct. Correct. So if someone is looking for a wife, do you recommend them going on dating apps? Oh, 100%. In fact, I posted something on my Instagram story on the day of the recording of this video. There's an there's a Indian couple that I met on this app called... Um, I mean, it skips my mind at the moment, but it's an Indian dating app that it, oh, it's called Dill Mill. That's the name of it. So I actually have been on Dill Mill before and I just want to see like, cause I like all kinds of girls with all skin colors and races and shit. I'm not discriminating. I love all kinds of girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as she's beautiful and she follows my leadership and my authenticity and respects me, I'm all for her. And um, on Dill Mill, this, this Indian couple, they, they posted a picture of like, we met on the app. It was during the pandemic. A few years later, we're married now. And I thought that was great. And I posted on my story because a lot of guys are skeptical and they think that quality women are not on dating apps. I, and again, go ahead. Because I think I, I, I can see where the, the original, the original reason for the dating app was for hookups. So oftentimes if you're looking for a long-term relationship, you just don't associate Tinder with wife. So, but there are some very good looking women there on the dating apps. Facts. You know, the thing is, though, the one thing that I would say is fair is a fair assessment. If you're trying to find a wife on Tinder, that's going to be a lot harder. Or let's say a girlfriend if, to make it easier, right? Because wife is like later down the road. But if we're trying to find a compatible girlfriend on Tinder, not very likely to happen. I would say you're more likely to find out on Bumble at the time of this recording because dating apps can change in popularity. Uh, Bumble and Hinge. Even Facebook dating is actually pretty legit for finding a compatible girl. My last two relationships I've had were through Hinge. So it works for me. And I think you can find compatible girls everywhere. I've heard, I've heard, um, I've heard a few people got in some long-term relationships through Hinge. Mm -hmm. So that is very interesting. Wow. 
Uh, what do you think is the the biggest turnoff for women when they see a man's Tinder profile or dating app profile? Sure. The biggest turnoff is definitely the photos are going to be judged immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Photos are the first thing you see. They don't care about your personality just yet. Photos are going to be the number one thing. The next thing is going to be, I would, I would say before we get into the bio, the next thing is like, what is the energy that I'm feeling? If I'm a woman right now looking at a man's profile, the first thing I'm going to be noticing, because women like emotional connections. Mm-hmm. They're not logical like us, right? If I'm a woman looking at a man profile, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know, can I connect emotionally with this man? Do I feel like he can tap into my mind? Does, do I feel like he's not going to judge me? Do I feel like he's going to liberate me from all the crazy insecurities that I have and all the emotional trauma I may have and all the emotional spikes going up and down, all that kind of stuff? Can he liberate me from this, right? That's the number one, I think, the second most important thing that she's actually considering. And then after the emotional connection, if those two are satisfied, like photos and then emotional connection, the next thing would be at a point of uh, a potential dis- uh, disapproving the profile could be a bio, right? Mm-hmm. So if the bio is trash, and, and again, the bio is an opportunity for men to be very judgmental. If you don't go to the gym, then swipe left. I mean, that is so freaking judgmental. Of course, women are understanding that body their body is going to play a huge factor in attraction for a man. But by you saying like swipe left, if you, if you eat cake or you, you know, or you don't, if you're <laughs> not, not vegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I agree with that. Cause I think women that women who even go to the gym, they still might swipe left just because of that comment. Absolutely. And here's another thing too. There are women who go to the gym, but they don't feel like they're in shape. They don't feel consciously secure with their body. Mm. So, and you would look at her like, this girl looks fit. There's no way she would think that she's fat. But then you talk to her, you're dating her, and she's like, and then let's say, let's say you're being intimate with her, and you touch her stomach, and she's like, oh, don't touch me there. My, I, don't, I don't like my stomach. What do you mean, baby girl? Why do you not like your stomach? Oh, you know, I, I have like these rolls. And you're like, what? Okay, yeah, like they're this big, but I mean, this is nothing. You're in shape. Look at that booty. Look how you look. Look at how – are you kidding me? So – what guys need to understand is that the bio is not about a place of judgment. In fact, nowhere in communication should you ever be judging a woman based on her past and based on her photos. Now, what I think that it's fair to judge a woman is how she communicates with you. How does she respond to you? How does she look at you? Right? That is fair assessment and casting judgment. That's okay. Because if a girl's saying F you to me or she's saying, you're ugly. You're not my type. I already know she's not interested in me. So I'm not going to keep placating to her and kiss her ass and say, Oh, well, you, I hope you give me a chance. I know I can move on. Do, do women flock to you because of your profession or do you find it that it makes it more difficult? That's a very good question. I would say, so in the past, um, all the girls that knew, about what I did. Okay, so I'll say this to, to give a short answer first is that majority of girls, when they find out what I do, they do stay around, right? One thing I don't do is I don't talk about what I do for work, nor do I tell my clients to tell the girls what they do for the for work. Now, I'm not staying, never tell them. And if a girl says, well, what do you do for work? Oh, I can't tell you. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that. I don't believe a man's job 
is important to bring up in the beginning of communication. It's not important. What's more important is how does she assess your character? How does she assess your masculinity? Because your job doesn't make you the man that you are. Just because I teach guys how to match with girls on dating apps and find quality women, that doesn't mean like, that doesn't make me the man that I am. The man that makes me my, that the man that makes me who I am is my authenticity, my boundaries, my standards, my outlook of who, how I feel about myself, how I carry myself in this world, how I treat others. That's my masculinity. I mean, that's just a short definition of it. So majority of girls have stayed with me. Now, there have been some girls that they saw what I did and they feel threatened by it and they feel insecure about it and they feel that I'm just trying to like make them a number, like I'm looking at them transactionally instead of like as a human being and I'm objectifying them, for example. So by that point, like when they find out what I, and usually girls don't even ask me what I do. They just like the man that I am and how I make them feel. So they don't even give a fuck about what you do for work. And usually when I feel like a girl asks you a question, like, what do you do for work? It's like, that's her level of game and competency and communication that she can give out because she doesn't know she hasn't, her brain hasn't expanded into different depths of thoughts that she's never had before. So she's used to the same old, Hey, what's up? What do you do for work? Um, who's, how long have you been on Bumble for dumb questions? Yeah. What I've noticed too, is that women who ask you early on what you do for work, typically are more materialistic. They, they want to find out what you can provide for them. And in my experiences, it has not bode well for me. So that's probably the woman that you want to stay away from. Facts. I would say it's also, I would say it definitely has, we can't pinpoint exactly because we are not in their minds, right? But I think that's a fair assessment that you said that they can be coming from a materialistic mind, mindset. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time, um, I think most, most women are not materialistic. I think that because I know that here's the thing, guys who consume the red pill will fall into this trap that, um, I'm not saying every red pill guy, but I think a lot of red pill guys, like, because the red pill is very much like saying women are this women are that mm-hmm. they may fall into the trap more likely to fall into the trap of women are materialistic and they only want chads and Tyrones. You gotta be six foot tall, have a million dollars and drive a sports car and all that, all that other shit, Gucci, Fendi, Prada, whatever. Mm-hmm. And my mindset is that if a girl's asking me a question about what I do for work, I don't think she's genuinely intimately interested in me. I think she just mm-hmm. looks at me in a way where it's like, yeah, kind of maybe. So I don't know. Let me just ask him what he does for work because the way I start conversations, I don't say how long have you been on Bumble for, or like, what do you do for work? Or, Hey, how was your weekend? I don't ask basic questions like that. I tap into a woman's passion emotions like i penetrate i always talk about this in my coaching i want the guys that are the viewers of viewers of this podcast to understand this that you don't penetrate the woman's body first you got to penetrate the mind you got to there you got it my friend you got to penetrate the mind penetrate the soul and the body comes after that's it that is the secret to women i tell people that i i tell my guy friends that listen the female orgasm comes way before sex. <laughs> if you if you stimulate her emotionally and intellectually, it's a done deal. She's she's going to erupt. <laughs> she's exactly. Erupt. Uh, getting back to the the materialistic comment, um, I also think that women they are designed to look for security, so that might be another right. reason why they ask the money question, which I I understand because if I had a daughter. 
I'd be interested in what um, a potential boyfriend would, what his future is looking like. So I understand that as well. I want to add to your comment right there. So I agree with you that women do need financial security. Historically, mm -hmm. traditionally, they needed financial security. But here's the thing that I want to like even challenge the, the, the men that watch this show as well, that it's not necessarily about the financial security that they should be concerned about is, do you make her feel secure up here? Mm. Because think about how insecure women are. Think about all the judgment that's been casted on them. Think about their toxic ex-boyfriends, all the lies, manipulation that girls have dealt with. They're all over the place. And women in general live in chaos. One day they're up here. One day they're down here. One day they're crying their, their tears out. The next day they're conquering the world. And the next day they're watching Netflix and crying their eyes out while eating ice cream. Right? Women are all over the place. Guys are not crying every day or one day they're like this, one day they're like that. I mean, maybe super feminine men who are not developing themselves and are very insecure. Absolutely. But women in general, they need us. They need us to liberate them. Some of the mindsets I talk about in my courses that's part of the coaching program is that I'm your liberator. And what I mean by I'm your liberator is that I'm going to liberate you from all the judgment, all the past that you have dealt with that has hurt you has put you down. And what you're doing is you're going to break the shell of this insecurity that she's been feeling and all the pressures of life and the, her boss yelling at her. She's not feeling rewarded and respected at work. We open that shell and we create this graceful feminine woman that she was when she was first born. That playful, graceful feminine woman. How does one get that liberation? How does one get that, that even the meanest woman to submit? Well, very, very good question. It has to do with liberating yourself first as a man. If you are a man that's very judgmental, that's how easy it is. There's no, there's no like, oh, ex complex theory or explanation. It's really liberating yourself. And this is what I share with my clients as well is that if you, because I, I have dealt with clients who are super, super judgmental and they are people who are very controlling and overly domineering. And they all also have come, actually, majority of my students have come from the red pill and I've helped them with the clarity that they need. <laughs> the clarity that they need because i think the red pill i'm not saying all red pill guys are like this um i've been part of the red pill for many many you know for about two years of my life so i know what it's like to be red pill i only know the whole game and for me what i realized is that even though i'm a very positive person i smile i'm a kind guy i was so judgmental to some degree and mm -hmm. i was very judgmental of myself too and the guy that i would be referring to or like the multiple guys i'm referring to who have been domineering and overly controlling they don't trust themselves they don't trust themselves and they don't trust the man that's mm. who they are because if they did you don't need to be controlling you don't even be domineering all you need is boundaries standards because who can you control yourself you can't control girls if even even if you told the girl i'm gonna make sure that you never cheat on me. And the only way you can uh, go out of the house is by going to the grocery store. Well, guess what? She can meet a guy at the grocery store and go down on him in the parking lot and you'll have no fucking clue when she comes home. Yeah. So, so boundaries equal liberation or part of it anyway. Part of it. Yeah. So when does one bring up said boundaries? I would say it really depends on the context. So if let's just say the girl, here's an example. If you have a girl that's coming over for a first date and to your house, for example, because I do house dates as a first date sometimes as well. 
if a girl comes over to my house on a first date and she's not wearing shoes, or excuse me, she's wearing shoes, but she doesn't take them off when she goes in the house, right? Mm. What I'll tell her is like, hey, please take off your shoes. And let's just say she listens, right? Perfect. We're good so far. Let's just say she comes a second time and she forgets about the rule and she doesn't take off her shoes and proceeds to walk into my kitchen. Then I'll tell her, hey, I told you already, please take off your shoes. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're right. And then she takes it off. If by the third time she does that again, that, then I know that she's like doing it purposefully, right? And if she doesn't show me any kind of like respect and she's just like giving me a hard time about it, I'm going to cancel the day immediately. No bottom half of a woman is worth anything to me if she's going to disrespect me like that, right? So that's like a very simple example. So now you say the bottom half of the woman. I think that's interesting mm -hmm. to say that, which I agree with. However, uh, assuming it seems as though that you've done your due diligence with the bottom half of women. So mm -hmm. you think that's easy for you to say now that you have the experience and you've kind of had your fun in that field? Because a man hearing it who might not have as much access to women as you do, they might be willing to, you know, put up a lot of BS for the bottom half. Yeah, and that's a fair, that's a very fair point. And that's the problem with the man. The problem is that if he's allowing a woman, if he's not, if he's not very experienced intimately with a woman and just women in general, the trap that he's running into is that if you, how you start is how you finish. If you start with getting disrespected left to right and you bite your tongue and don't say anything, she's going to continually disrespect you. And she knows that she can leverage her body and leverage her bottom half against you. Oh, you're going to talk up to me now. Oh, big boy wants to act all tough now and you want to have some boundaries. Well, guess what? I'm not giving you some tonight. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what I, I, you know, I take back what I said. You can wear shoes in the house. See, that's not how it should be. You always got to start with a position of strength. You've got to be a masculine man from the start. A masculine man doesn't allow bullshit to continually be persistent in his life. Mm. I don't think a masculine man should do that. Wow, that's some good stuff. So what, what do the women in your family, if you have any, say about the content that you do? I've had women in my family uh, comment and say this sounds like it sounds very playerish. It sounds even I've said it sounds kind of misogynistic, but honestly, I don't give a fuck. I do not care what my family thinks about it. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because this is my calling, my passion, my dream is to help men all around the world. My passion is to be a public speaker and be internationally well-known, um, to have a lifestyle where I can travel to different places, not just be in my state, but be all over the US. If I wanna go stay in a log cabin in Montana for about a week and do my online business and help coaches, uh, help my students through coaching, I'm more than happy to do that. I'm not gonna stop what I wanna do just because a woman in my family has a problem with it. I've had men in my family, by the way, bring up my my coaching too see back then the, I was, i'll tell you this the biggest issues that my family had with me was when i was red pilled just to let you know when i was red pilled i was like speaking out a lot on like things i would argue with my parents i would argue with my with my relatives women this women that hypergamy and all this other shit right i would just say these things and <laughs> and and that's when i had the most issues with my family but my message is this, and I don't care what anyone fucking says, is that my message is for men to be authentic, is for men to be transparent, to be direct with women about what their intentions are, and to build an authentic online presence 
so that they can find the dream woman that they want. Or if you want to have a rotation of girls, more power to you. More power to you. I'm not going to judge that. Do whatever the fuck you want, but make sure you're honest with women. Mm, that's key. I hear the rotation. It can be uh, you know, pretty risque doing that. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. It's not necessarily. I mean, I have to add a comment to that. It's not that it's like, it's only risky for a man who doesn't know how to handle the, how to, if you, if you can't handle one girl, you should not have a rotation of women. Because if you cannot handle one chick, what makes you think you can handle two, two chicks or three chicks? And there are guys in the RP that are like, I aspire to have a harem of girls. I'm like, bro, if you can't handle one girl, then how the hell do you expect to have a harem? And I tell my boys who are interested in rotations that these girls, they got to know they're hooking up with other girls too. You got to be upfront about that. So then there's no like, oh, I thought I was the only one. A man with game, a man with self-identity and experience of his masculinity, very deep in his masculinity, he doesn't give a fuck. He wants girls to, to disqualify him and like walk away and say, I don't want to be part of this. I want women to walk away from me if I tell them the truth. Because then I know how serious is she for me. Does she team Grand Cam or she wants to go find another guy who's not going to be like this? That's fine. I kept it real with you. You're not down for me. That's fine. If she walks away, she was going to walk away from you sometime down the road anyway. So, Facts. Facts. I actually hear that uh, in, this, in this content space that I actually hear that more times than not, men are typically mm -hmm. more the haters than the women. Facts. Have you Absolutely. True. Wow. Absolutely. The red pill, let me just, you know what, someone has told me this as like an analogy that the red pill is like a male version of feminism. And I'm not talking about a male feminist. I'm talking about it's the polar, like if we have feminism over here, the red pill is over here. Mm -hmm. uh, and MGTOW and black pill and all these other color pills are all over here. And what these red pill ideologies, I know like there are guys that you know are watching this or super red pilled or they really like the red pill. More power to you. If you like the red pill, go for it. But my whole thing of why I have red pill guys that turn to my coaching is because I let them know that the red pill has taken you away from your self-identity. Because when you become this fucking hater of women and you're judgmental of women, then you're taken away from your self-identity because your self-identity is not really a hater. You're really not this hateful person. You're a man who is unhealed and doesn't understand why he's super judgmental. And you think just telling a woman that she's hypergamous and when an only one high value man, that's judgmental. Not all women want the same shit that high value, whatever the fuck these people talk about. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what do you think is the biggest piece of advice that you would give a man when it comes to socializing with women? The biggest piece of advice I can give men for socializing with women is I have a speech on this that I cover in my, in my transformational retreats. When I, the next one I'm doing Vegas, um, it's going to be on bringing positive and attractive energy everywhere you go. And the reason why I talk about this is because I'm not talking about seduction here. I'm not talking about like getting numbers. What I'm talking about is being a man who's positive and energetic because when you're positive and energetic and you go to a bar, you get hooked up a lot. Like if you're at a bar, you might get a free shot from some dude out of nowhere. Hey, man, you look cool. You want a free shot? Sure, I'll take a free shot with you. Literally. You'll, have, you'll have girls that randomly may come up to you. And I don't mean like, you know, they'll flock, like 30 girls will flock up to you, but like the opportunity to open a honest, authentic, positive interaction with a woman because she feels your energy, it makes sense. So a lot of guys, they dress well. They may dress similar to me. 
they'll go to the bar, but they don't get approached. Or when they approach a girl, the girl's like, eh, I'm not really into this. And the reason why is because energetically they're lacking. Energetically, they're just, something's off. They're not centered. They're not balanced. They're not within their self-identity. They're too much in the ego. They're too much in being judgmental. But for me, my clients see it. When they were with me in my transformational retreat, I was getting hooked up. My clients were getting hooked up because I was just giving them my positive and energetic vibes. And they saw it and they finally got to meet me in person. They're like, oh, so this is what Cam is about. Ah, now I see how he's able to get hooked up by people. I've been to Vegas before so many times where people just invite me to their table because they like my energy. I didn't pay a fucking single dollar except tipping the uh, bottle service girl just to be at least supportive, not just be a, uh, like a mooch and drink everything for free. So these guys like it and like they, and they hooked me up. The girls hooked me up and I just have this really good energy about me that makes me very easy to talk to. And I have people that open up to me about super deep or traumatic things because they can just trust me because I'm a very positive person. I'm very easy to talk to. So I think that's what guys need to have as far as the biggest piece of advice when they're socializing with women. That is something that I definitely would like to incorporate. I've noticed that though, when I've gone out, you just have good energy, you socialize and people want, people are interested in talking to you. Like both, both men and women, bartenders, DJs, like they just like, wow, this guy's fun. Mm -hmm. Facts. That is all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me. It means a lot. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And uh, last thing I'll say to guys is that, um, you know, appreciate the pot, appreciate the podcast, support the podcast as well. And um, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's Coach Gray and Cam. And I do have my transformational retreat that's coming out in March, Vegas. It's going to be in Vegas, March 2023. I have my website, which is thegrandmail.com, where you can learn more about my coaching. And feel free to shoot me a DM. I'm here for you guys. I want to have an honest, authentic conversation. And I love to support you guys. And again, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate that. God bless.